Let us pray. We give thanks to you, O Lord our God, for all your servants and witnesses of time past, for Abraham, the father of believers, and for Sarah, his wife, for Moses, the lawgiver, and Aaron, the priest, for Miriam and Joshua, Deborah and Gideon, Samuel and Hannah, his mother, for Isaiah and all the prophets, for Mary, the mother of our Lord, for Peter and Paul and all the apostles, for Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene, for Stephen, the first martyr, and all the saints and martyrs in every time and in every land. In your mercy, give us, as you gave them, the hope of salvation and the promise of eternal life through the firstborn from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I hope you all enjoyed a wonderful All Hallows' Eve last night with maybe some trick-or-treating going on, and that leads us to today, All Hallows' Day what we call All Saints Day, November 1st. If you looked at the title for the sermon today in the bulletin, you might have thought, whoa, me and messed up again. There's a typo there. There's no hyphen in remembering. But as we'll find out, there's remembering, and then there is re-hyphen-membering. What's the difference? Well, the Festival of All Saints is about more than simply remembering men and women of God, recalling their life and witness, bringing their memory to mind. That is good and that's important. But the Festival of All Saints is really more about re remembering them, that is celebrating the connection we continue to have with them through our crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ. As the prayer of the day put it, we are knit together into one holy church, the mystical body of Christ our Lord. And if we are then so knit together, that means what impacts one impacts the other. So in our worship today, we will remember those saints from our congregation who have gone to be with the Lord during this year now past. Those candles on the baptismal font will be lit later on during our prayer time. Though physically absent from our fellowship, they are now part of that great cloud of witnesses, the writer to the book of Hebrews puts it, who surround us. We who are still running the race that is set before us. That's what these clouds are on the walls on either side of the sanctuary from our cross-generational All Saints event today. They contain the names of people, loved ones, who have been witness to Jesus in the lives of people within our congregation. They are part of that great cloud of witnesses. And so on this All Saints Day, we give thanks to God for all the saints. 
whose robes have been washed clean and made white in the blood of the Lamb. Based on that first reading for today, the theme for this message is remembering the saints. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So how many saints are present among us here in the congregation today? If you are a saint, please raise your hand. Aha, some of you know that you are, and I'm glad to hear that. Uh, some of you were here at the earlier service, so you probably know this already. <laughs> but what we often don't think of ourselves as is saints. Saints are those superhuman Christians who do more. They are holier. They have all of these good works in their lives. We don't measure up. And that's when we consider what it is to be a saint from a human definition. But from God's definition, what we find in Scripture, a saint is any believer who believes and has hope in the Lord Jesus Christ who has been baptized into his death and resurrection. My friends, you and I are saints, whether we feel like it or not. So that first lesson from the book of Revelation, uh, that entire book is often misunderstood. It is in fact feared by many because it is often misunderstood, misinterpreted. Simply put, the message of Revelation is to give encouragement and hope to Christ's people in the midst of suffering and persecution. So when we filter everything else through that lens, that opens up a new understanding for what this final book of Scripture is all about. Numbers are important in Revelation. 7, 12, 666, 144,000, just to name a few. And there are lots of word pictures in Revelation as well that are in code. The beast, Babylon, the thousand years. And so it's important for us, although we can't get into all of what that means, to understand that this first reading from Revelation 7 is set in the larger context of the opening of what are called the seven seals in Revelation from chapter 6 through the first part of chapter 8. It describes apocalyptic catastrophes which will accompany the close of this age. We will hear of this in the gospel lessons in the weeks ahead as we focus on the words of Jesus about the coming end of the age. Well, Revelation chapter 7 is often described as an interlude between the sixth and the seventh seals. And chapter 7 begins with a description of the church on earth in this present age, here and now, as God's people are sealed for salvation. And what does that look like? Again, I point you to the baptismal font where we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ 
forever. That is the work of the church that's happening here and now in this present time of grace before the Lord comes again. That chapter 7 then concludes with a description of the church in heaven after the saints have passed through a time of persecution. So the church, which is the bride of Christ, spans all of this time, now and what is yet to be. So the church on earth, this is what you and I are part of here and now. It is sometimes called the church militant. And we will be singing about this in that beloved hymn for all saints entitled, For All the Saints Who From Their Labors Rest. As we sing our way through that note, all of the references to this church on earth, the church militant, called to follow Christ our captain and engaged in battle against sin, against evil, against the evil one. The church then in heaven is often called the church triumphant. So be called because in the age to come, Christ's triumph, his victory over sin and death and hell itself, that will be fully and finally revealed. And that is what we wait for. But it's all one church. The church militant here on earth, the church triumphant, yet to be revealed in heaven. And by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, we are all the saints. So in the midst of our journey of faith through this life, it's important that we not lose sight of what is to come because we can get bogged down in the stuff of life, all of the difficulties, all of the challenges, the shortfalls, the shortcomings, the sin and evil we see all around us. It can be very discouraging and very defeating. But let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us as we look ahead to what will be in remembering all the saints. So who are those saints in your life who have influenced and guided you who have pointed out Jesus to you, who have given witness to him. Parents, grandparents, family members, Sunday school teachers, neighbors, friends, pastors, church workers. Who are these people, this great cloud of witnesses for you? The vision given to John here in Revelation 7 begins with that great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. And that's an important image for us to hold on to because there'll be a lot of people in heaven who don't look like us, <laughs> who don't talk like us, although the language barriers will have been removed in heaven. But like us, their trust and hope is in the Word made flesh, this Lord Jesus Christ, who lived and suffered and died and rose again for us, 
and for our salvation. And note the symbols of victory. A palm branch, which may not mean much to us today, but in the ancient world symbolized victory and triumph, clothed in white robes. And the song they sing is not about their salvation, but it's about the greatness of God who alone has accomplished this salvation. And then that song is taken up by the angels and the elders and the four living creatures, and it's expanded into this sevenfold hymn of praise, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and praise and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And if that sounds a little familiar, that's because we sing about this in the Easter season with that beloved hymn of praise, this is the feast of victory for our God. This is where it comes from in the book of Revelation. And this is the vision of the church triumphant that sustains us and strengthens us as the church militant. The book of Revelation shifts back and forth between what is and what will be from earth to heaven. That white-robed multitude is seen from both of these perspectives. In the present, they are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. But in the future yet to be revealed, they are before the throne of God, serving him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. So as we remember all the saints, those living and those who have gone before us in the faith, let us not forget that our experience in this world is not the final indicator of what will be. Our experience here and now is not the final word on who God is or what God can do. And this is made clear in the words of the elder to John as uh, he interacts. The robes of the saints have been made white by washing them in what? Red blood. Now, from a human perspective, it doesn't make any sense. It's illogical because we know that blood is not a cleansing agent. It's something which stains. Red does not make white, except in the blood of Jesus. Our celebration of the festival of all saints, our remembering of the saints, celebrates this mysterious, sovereign power of God who alone is able to bring life out of death. And so in commemorating the dead, we are in fact celebrating life. The beautiful description of what awaits God's saints at the close of this lesson, it's rooted in God's promise through his servant of old, the prophet Isaiah, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Did you catch that? The lamb is the shepherd. Think about that. As we focus on that image of the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and remember how the Lord is my shepherd. This is Jesus. This is Jesus who is Lord of the church on earth and in heaven. This is Jesus who unites us with himself and with his saints. And that here, especially in the Lord's Supper, at the Lord's table, in the mystery of this holy meal, where this crucified, risen, reigning, and returning Lord comes to us and gives us his true body and blood to eat and to drink, we are one as we remember the saints. Thanks be to God. Amen.